You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back, everyone, to Arsenal Pass, episode 135. Hayden, I have one thing to start off this pod with, and that is who the hell is Tom Dowling? That is a great question. Uh, Tom Dowling is now a calling finalist, but also Sydney local, uh, awesome guy, and I'm going to say is now going to be seen as kind of a, a pioneering father of, of Dash.io, uh, and let's see what that means for World Championship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, kind of came out of nowhere, at least from the international perspective. Uh, so maybe from, you know, from people who are not local had not heard too much about Tom before, but I think after this weekend that will change. Did take Dash to a very impressive performance. I can't even remember. Was it like it was? Four, was it fourteen and zero? What was it? Yeah. So he he he's the first person to sweep a Swiss in a modern calling, and I think the first person or the third person to do it in, in any event. I think it's been done at two nationals prior to that, and one of the original callings beforehand. Um, so, but the yeah. first to do it in in kind of the the modern view of flesh and blood, and to do it on a completely, you know, not that people weren't talking about Dash IO, right? But people, a lot of people had dismissed Dash IO. I was one of those, can tell you about that. <laughs> and Tom telling me about this deck for weeks. So, um, yeah, Tom, Tom's, a, Tom's a friend and he's, he's a local here in Sydney. Uh, and, yeah, he, he went 14-0 and then, so 12-0 in Swiss and then 14-0, made it all the way to the finals. Had an insane game against uh, eventual winner of the calling Melbourne, Ben Dodd. Congratulations to Ben on Azuri, who, who also had a great run. Uh, who ended up yeah, taking out Tom in the final, a nail-biter of a final where it came down to this kind of last turn where if, if Tom draws a blue off his spark of genius, uh, he takes Ben's entire hand basically, puts him to one, and uh, Tom is, is basically in the ascendancy from, from that turn and you know misses the blue, and then Ben has the, the kind of turn set up to come back for, for lethal. So yeah, just a kind of in, insane game, honestly. And and all everything I'm hearing is that people, I didn't get to see it, obviously I'm at the event, but that the coverage and kind of the games, especially in the top eight, were just some, some of the best games of flesh and blood that people have seen in, in a little bit, which is, is awesome to hear. Yeah, it's interesting because people were talking about Dash.io. I know we tested Dash.io a little bit, but um, the issue with the deck was that, I mean, it's that everybody was building it wrong. <laughs> Just going too much down the rabbit hole of trying to make it this, uh, you know, hyper-focused combo deck or something like that. And it's just not, it's not exactly its, mm. it's, its best role. And I think that uh, the list that Tom put on display is a the optimal version as of now uh of how to build dash io and i think a lot of people got sucked into trying to do busted stuff or do some big combo setup etc etc but that's just that's just not the play i know i know legend story studios they were very vocal on twitter about (laughs) quite quite vindicated that this hero was able to make it into top eight (laughs) oh yeah it was was, that's uh, a different story (laughs) well look i like i feel you know I can see it from Alice's perspective, right? They sat there being like, "What a what an accomplishment this kind of top eight has been." Max also, you know, made made top eight of this event as well. Um, that one's the most surprising to me. Zuri wins, so they get their they get their six. Yeah, we can we'll break down the full top eight. Don't you worry about that in this pod. But they get their their you know their six hero winning a sixth calling in a row, right, or, or whatever it is, sixth premier event in a row. Uh, so from Alice's Alice's perspective, obviously, I can totally understand kind of you know how how they're probably feeling not playing the event. Uh, I will say, <laughs> uh, from my understanding of, of you know, well, not my understanding, from me, my personal experience, and also from others playing the event. Look, this this meta, and I think the closeout of Lexi, 
I think a lot of people were using this as a kind of um, Lexi was dead to them already. I will say, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of people were disrespecting Lexi. Lexi was not as prevalent as it probably should have been. A lot of people were putting the target on Dromai's back as opposed to Lexi, and you know, probably somewhat rightly so. But it, it felt like a very interesting event, and the meta felt uh, not. You know, I wasn't the most excited about this meta. Let's put it that way. But Worlds is on the horizon. Lexi has now hit Living Legend, which of course you know officially as of monday with the banner spend announcement which we'll get to mm-hmm. is is gone so you know there's i'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the world's mini game looks like and i think this really throw it does throw oh, yeah. something in the works which is awesome my, yeah. my 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 biggest thing that i said to hayden because he i was not aware that hayden knew tom i was like why the hell did he not save this deck for worlds well he wasn't planning to go to worlds um uh, but, he wasn't planning to go yes, to worlds but now he is going to worlds um, <laughs> he is going to worlds <laughs> he is coming yeah, yeah which is uh, awesome uh, yeah it was I had heard people talking about Dash. Um, obviously, uh, the like the California kind of uh, Arizona team uh, mentioned it on stream at Dallas, and you're like, okay, but, but like we had said before, if people are going to bring out a rogue deck, bring out a deck that people are not expecting, that is you know a dark horse per se, they're going to do it at the World Championships. They're not going to do it at the Dallas calling or the Melbourne calling. And Palm was like, nope. <laughs> Brings it to Melbourne yeah, yeah. and puts on a dominant display. I love what this does to the world's meta, though. It really throws a wrench in it because part of this tournament, the the target was on the back of Jermai, but I, mm-hmm. well, that's still partly the case. I think that you really, the target is going to be on the back of Dash IO. I think a lot of people are going to show up prepared to face that deck, and that probably changes a little bit of Dash IO's strategy and how the deck is built. Yeah, I, I think if you're. You know, if your team's sitting there, you're going, okay, let's test Dash.io. Does it change our preparation in terms of like the decks we were looking at? And if the answer is yes, which it, it probably has to be yes in some way, yeah. then you go, okay, is this deck, how powerful do we think this deck is? If we think this deck is powerful, is this a contender for a deck we should be playing? And even if the answer is no, but you think it's powerful, then you have to consider that you think other people are going to pick up this deck and play it. Like 14 and no is no, you know, you don't just 14 and no by accident, right? At, mm-hmm. a, at a calling, at an open event calling, you know? Um, like Tom played his bad matchups. He beat uh, two or three Azuri on his way to top eight before you know finally falling in that final and he thought that was probably his worst matchup he beat bravo like i saw him playing these games he beat fire which he also thought was like a, a tougher matchup and you know like the the way he kind of piloted the deck and i got to you know i didn't make day two brendan so uh i got some time to watch watch tom play a couple of games and and his kind of understanding of the deck like this is a a high skill cap deck i, I will say and i think it's going to take groups and teams and individuals a little bit of time to, to get their head around this like i don't think you can play a couple of games of this and go ah it's inconsistent and move away because brendan that's exactly what i did Four, and that's the yeah. reason i did not play 14, Dash 14, last 14 and 0 is pretty consistent <laughs> even though it's one tournament i mean 14 and 0 is consistent uh my biggest question for dash io and uh, i know we're in the news section we're getting ahead of ourselves but my biggest question is can this deck survive having a target on its back and other people be being aware of exactly how the deck works like how does this deck um evolve looking at the world championship meta because you know the the monkey's out of the box as they said in pineapple express but you know like people know how the deck works they 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 saw tom display it on stream many many times so mm-hmm. that deck surely has to adapt because people are not going to be surprised about it when they sit across from it at the world championship yeah i'll let you stew on that but we also do have a deck tech that's going to go live if probably just after the this pod with tom tom is you know kindly agreed to come on and talk to us about the deck the design philosophy and and maybe the, the you know the ford kind of thoughts on on dash io but um just a small little story, Brendan. Mm-hmm. So two weeks ago, or two and a half weeks ago at this point, right? You know, I guess by the time pod drops, it's actually like three weeks ago. 
Bright Lights has just dropped. Tom messages uh, one of our group chats and says, guys, this, this hero is broken. Like, you know, I'm having so much fun with this. I've been, I've been gold fishing. I've been playing a few games. You guys, you guys should pick this up. This group chat involves me and Nick Butcher and uh, one or two other friends. And we're both like, come on, man. Like, seriously? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Sends us a list. I played a couple of games and I immediately like boosted a, a tome or something or saw a tome on top and just got super frustrated at the deck. Or drew, I think I drew a hand of all items and then took like a million damage from, from an aggro deck. And just messaged back. And I was like, this is way too inconsistent, man. Like, I, I don't know what, I don't know what you're seeing here. Week goes by. Tom goes, I've been planning it all week. Honestly, I think I'll fix the issues. It, it's broken. You guys got to check this out. This is about a week and a half before the calling now. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. He's like, all right, I'm bringing, he's like, ProQuest. He won a ProQuest already the week before, a draft ProQuest. He's like, I'm coming to ProQuest this weekend. I'm going to play it. And I'm like, I guess you've already got an invite. You don't need to bother playing a, a real deck. That's fine, right? So he shows up. He makes top eight. We play like the last round of Swiss for like undefeated. I'm playing Droma. I'm like, all right, come on, show me the deck. You're, you're five in a row right now. Show me the deck. Show me the deck. And the deck just does nothing for four <laughs> turns and he just dies. And I was like, what is going Come on, man. What is going He's like, you've got to play it. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not playing this in Melbourne. He's like, I promise you that was an anomaly of a game. He, t- he missed me afterwards, missed the group. He's like, look, some of the issues from the weekend. Here's the fixes for these. Conviction amplifier is insane, et cetera, et cetera. Like, okay, play another couple of games of the deck. I'm like, nah, Tom, there's no way, dude. I don't know what you're smoking. Well, I, th- I think you're a bit jaded. All history from, now. From, from <laughs> you're a bit jaded from Sa- like uh, Sasha, another person we've tested a lot with. The felt table. Yeah, Sasha. I mean, Sasha actually will. He has gotten some steaming piles of dog shit and told us it was broken. It was the next big thing. <laughs> so I think you're just a bit primed. <laughs> you're like, nah, dude, nah. I gotta see it in action. Literally, <laughs> literally. So you know what? uh hey, humble pie on that one tom was definitely right and you know congrats to tom congrats to ben uh and congrats to the rest of the top eight just a quick shout out and they will we'll kind of transition to the news brennan but um michael fing making another top eight in there as well uh, and like it was good to see him and Brody had traveled as well there's a few other international travelers uh, matt as well was there um there's some new Ze- a lot of new zealanders actually obviously new zealand ends up taking down the, the the calling on on australia's home soil which you know no Australian ever likes to to see, but you know I'm a neutral party. I'm I'm half and half at this <laughs> point, right? I live here, but I'm from New Zealand. Uh, so yeah, congrats to congrats to top eight. Very interesting top eight, which we will break down. But you want to talk about weak inflation blood at all? You're you're heading to world. So is there being kind of like a lot of you know casting prep for you? They they obviously made the announcement of the casting team. You'll be there. You'll be casting. Have you been prepping in a specific way? What's been what's it been sort of for you? So there's been some meetings, which are interesting. <laughs> It's an interesting okay. concept, I'll say that. Um, anyway, I, I won't. I'm not gonna break up that can of worms. But basically, this—if you noticed by last week's podcast with me with the uh, the the diligent stare for all those YouTube viewers—I was uh, I was traveling, so I was on vacation. Um, yeah, most of my prep, to be honest, happens in the testing house because <laughs> for people that don't aren't a part of a testing group that gets a house a week before and haven't been a part of that process. Like you go pretty freaking hard. Like you go like, it's like 12, 14 hours a day of just straight up flesh and blood or straight, whatever game you're preparing for. So that's really my primer. And my key role in, in that group is just gauntlet decks. Right. And there's pretty much no better way to learn the game than to be the gauntlet deck guy because you're just playing all the decks um that are possible to show up at that world championship meta so that is where the the lion's share of my preparation is going to come from from like a um i don't know professional player sort of analysis standpoint that being said the world championship i am not i'm not on color i am play by play so 
Um, Interesting. Honestly, my exposure to the Dallas calling would have prepared me enough. I mean, yeah, the fact that I'm going out there a week before, I wouldn't do that to prepare to be a caster. I think that's way over above and beyond, um, especially in the context of like how we're compensated. But I go there to help you help sasha help my friends prepare and have a good time like it's enjoyable to me i enjoy that i enjoy trying to to break metas and all of the the thought process that goes into selecting a deck so um yeah not too much prep the, the week before other than conversations in our discord and you know draft strategy and sort of philosophy but like macro philosophy behind what deck we should pick you know what are we targeting what's our expected metagame etc but there's a lot that happens when you actually sit people on the team in a room physically and you start cranking out games. I mean, that's uh, that's where the the lion's share of the work is going to happen. Mm, mm. To be honest, it's interesting. It's not really been my experience because I haven't had these. I'm usually the the late flyer. Yeah, you never and, show up. And, uh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's hard with work. I, I get in late, unfortunately, all the time. It's, it's a luxury, I'm a little right? bit. It's a, it's a big luxury yeah, yeah. to be there a week before and get to do that. I wish. I yeah. wish. It's, it's definitely a huge ask. I mean, it's it's honestly my favorite part about playing competitively is that week beforehand. That's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a big ask to go out there, you know, seven, ten days before and just be cranking game. Because, like, I don't think people understand, like, how much how much flesh and blood actually gets played it's disgusting like it is literally 12 to 14 hours a day um i remember like there's a reason why we don't bring our spouses to these things anymore because it's just really <laughs> we tried it but we tried it in the past but there is no time there is literally zero time and if it, we get so in the sauce that if we go to dinner or we go to lunch yeah. or we go to something like <laughs> It is, it is, it is like pulling teeth. It is painful. And all we're thinking about, all we're talking about is flesh and blood while we're there anyway. Like we'll probably even be playing like little mental games of flesh and blood. Like it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, we're cooking. We're cooking the week before. My favorite is at dinner when you've been playing like, I don't know, does it say you've been like playing Class Constructed all day or something? And then you go to dinner and then someone, you're just walking. You might be talking about something else, right? For a little bit, for like maybe like five minutes. And then someone goes... All right, pick one, pick one, would you? <laughs> <laughs> and then that conversation did you? I remember uh, at Calling Auckland this year, it was myself, Dan, uh, our friend Dave, editor Dave, and a couple others. And the three of us, we were going to get lunch. And I think two others were with us as well. And then we, like the whole walk, the whole of lunch and the whole walk back, we talked about one specific interaction with Frost Hex. And the ultimate matchup and how we wanted to like stack our Frostix and the, the damage multiplier on Frostix in the matchup for a good two hours. That was the whole conversation. And then we got back and then we played the match. Yeah, I remember me and Sasha were at the first Auckland calling and we went, it was prior to uh, the tournament because it was all done in one day, which was fantastic. And we had had our Ninja Turtle deck. And we actually went to dinner with Nick Butcher, Luke Badger, um, and some others. I remember we were sitting at this this dinner eating Mexican food and then you know like 20 minutes in the dinner I look at Sasha he looks looks at me and I'm like hey I think I want to change the deck he's like and he pulls up his phone and he goes all right so here's all the cards I'm changing and then we immediately look we pay with cash and we leave early like <laughs> we just like we got to go we got to go fix this deck dump it on the table yes actually like this is like this is uh this is the the eve of the tournament like last minute we go swap up everything and then we're up to like 2 a.m trying to fix it so yeah i mean we're gonna be in the sauce the week before i'm super excited um and i'm pumped because i think from the saturday that i get there so i'm leaving on friday um we're recording this on a tuesday 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think both Majin and so Caleb Majin and Peter Budensek are there in person on that weekend as well. So that that's a nice. that's way more that's way more testing and resources than we've ever had because most of the time it's me and Sasha flying out a week before and then for like three four days it's just me and him cooking and then the other people kind of trickle in. So cooking, I'm pretty excited to be honest. Um, <laughs> I love that well, I'll see you on Wednesday evening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in classic fashion. Also, Sasha told me that you might be the gauntlet guy, but he has another name for you. No, what's that? Aaron boy. Aaron boy. Fish me some, fish me some food while we play some games, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm, uh, I'm de- I'll be the den mother. I'm holding down the fort. Oh, it's just, it's, something's gone wrong if you're the den mother, bro. <laughs> or, right, or very, very right. Or very, very right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can add a little bit more to the calling Flesh and Week, uh, this week in Flesh and Blood, but I'd love to get into the news. I mean, just want to suffice to say, I had, a, I had a great time. I did a lot of drafting. I didn't have a good run at the calling. I went 4-3, missing day two. I would say, Brendan, mm-hmm. you know, this sounds a little bit salty and fair enough. I feel like I got a little bit gemmed on the weekend uh, playing playing Jeremiah. But also, I definitely feel like I wasn't feeling particularly confident in the list. I had a list that was very teched for the mirror. I ended up playing in great fashion. A couple of Rhinars. Oh, I bit a Rhinar, which, you know, I wish that was on stream. Uh, that would be great. Played some Katsus. Played some Ice Elixirs. I don't think I played a meta deck. Azuri was the most meta deck I played against in my seven rounds of Swiss on, on day one, which was pretty funny. Maybe maybe you could take out two. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're you're due your gem format because I showed up to PT. I, I, I showed up to PT2 and played, and this is PT2, by the way. Both these decks don't exist at PT2. I played freaking Ice Lexi, then Kano. I was like, what? Bro, what the fuck? That was the, Bri- that was the Mono Briar meta. Ice- Blame yourself for Kano, dude yourself uh <laughs> but you know it was it was a great time got to hang out with some people got to hang out with some people i haven't seen in a while who you know Brendan patrick people like jason long uh you know who is a multiple-time calling top eight competitor he's trying to make a run back to get back into the game a little bit while he was this weekend he he oh yes i forgot i, I lost to him in swiss we got paired in swiss mm-hmm. he was playing an anti dromai dash deck it was just literally pure all poppers it was this silly defensive deck that i don't deck. think dromai could ever beat so that was nice. Uh, we played in Swiss. That was great. It was a nice 15-minute game <laughs> where I definitely lost. Uh, and then we ate a lot of food. Melbourne is great for food. If you're ever in Australia, I recommend if you're going to be in Australia, make sure you get yourself to Melbourne and make sure you eat a lot of food. Some amazing food uh, down that way. News, Brendan. First of all, you can officially say goodbye to Lexi Livewire and Classic Instructed. Monday saw the new band and suspended announcement and, of course, the Living Legend check where Lexi does leave we had already we already knew this was happening of course uh, well past the thousand point threshold but now officially gone and will not be at the world championships next week of course changing up that mid game all tales of our uh, heroes are now gone and the sixth living legend hero yep i mean lexi definitely <laughs> definitely overstayed her welcome a bit um for sure especially in these like po- these tournaments like dallas and melbourne um yeah, yeah i think people would like to see her go earlier which they're changing we'll talk about that Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's funny because I see on Twitter, it's like you immediately see people start complaining about the next thing, and then they made this change to Living Legend. Now people are like, I really don't like that, or they like it. And I think LSS, I mean, LSS's general tone, to be honest, on Twitter is just kind of like a big F you to like any sort of complaint. Uh, not in a bad way, because I'm actually like waffling between this idea that like great games, great products, just like great things in general are tend to be made by mm. tyrants. <laughs> not in that, not in like the ag- most aggressive meaning of that word, but no. people who, really champion like a a sort of leadership role over their vision and they maintain that over 
anything else because i think if you start catering to too many people and too many opinions um you try to make a game for everyone you end up making a game for no one and the best things like the best games are made by these like small passionate teams that maintain that hardcore vision so even if i don't agree with lss's decisions their strategy sometimes the state of the meta you know the formats etc i do actually kind of respect <laughs> like how on the nose and kind of uh you know i just i just respect them actually sort of having the integrity to maintain their vision even if it ends up being incorrect yeah. i'd rather them do that than you know actually listen to all of us complain to be honest and uh that's the thing is saying i'm waffling this idea where it's like are the are the best things like are the best products are the best games are they just made by tyrants who don't give a shit about what anybody says because you can take feedback you could take feedback but if you use feedback as actual changes i think that's where the issue comes it just had like but you can take feedback put it through your filter uh, and then maybe apply but i'm assuming my my theory is that true vision true leadership and just like i know what's right actually ends up building the best games and uh flesh and blood is my next experiment to, to test that theory yeah, I mean, you can see it through history and through other companies, right? Small startups, you know. Yeah, the iPhone little, wasn't little created companies through, like through Apple. a survey. Yeah, yeah, yeah it exactly. wasn't created through a survey. Like, what do you want? Or, no, it was like they had a vision and they, the idea is that they, they know what you want more than you do. Uh, and and yes. I respect that to an extent. Yes, and completely in that vein, speaking of surveys, thank you to everyone who responded to our survey. <laughs> <laughs> As we look to take on advice from the community, look, we're a bit different, right? We're not a, we're not a company with a vision. We're a, we're a, we're two dudes and uh, some support networks who want to create an amazing product for people who want to learn more about the game and um, enjoy listening to a flesh and blood po- uh, a flesh and blood podcast and getting videos on decks gameplay etc etc so uh, thank you to everyone who responded to that. We're going to digest all those responses. There's been some, already some great stuff that's come out of it, so we're excited to implement a little bit of that look at ways that we can format the pod but also other content we do on the channel so all right living legend brendan let's talk about living legend because it has had an update it's had a bit of a facelift which you know you said you did call it a couple weeks ago living legend is due for another change i'm not sure this is quite the change you were thinking with this. v9 we're on v9 at this point <laughs> minimum but look it, it had to come right let me just i'll quickly spit out what's happened here so there's been some changes to the points per event um new four wins to living legend heroes so world championship has gone from 200 points to 300 points so obviously world championship now can almost give a third of a living legend status to a hero with a win uh pro tours through down to national championships there's no change so callings um champion and nationals no change battle hardened is the most significant and we are getting more battle hardens and this is going to be look to be a significant way to living legend heroes through the season we're going from 10 points for a battle hardened win to 40 points so a massive change there and there is one sorry one national change uh nationals with less than 96 players are capped uh would, would now go from 10 to 20 and then the other one uh pci events have gone from four living legend points to 20 uh there's no changes at ProQuest or roads nationals level and from a blitz perspective skirmish has doubled from two to four points so l- heroes are going to living legend a lot faster brendan mm-hmm. and there's 15 or well, we 17 heroes in in the or now 16 in this current class constructor format alice oh no there's more than that sorry no there's 18 and alice's want to progress and move the hero pool faster it seems and they've been pretty clear about that and this is a change to do so it to me feels a little bit like a, a change that's going to help enable maybe a bit of balancing as well 
which, you know, I know they keep saying Living Legends is not a balanced format, but I think the core of it is is a little bit of this rotation idea uh, yeah, that we talked about. Yeah, it, it is like an ad hoc rotation for sure. Um, so there's a couple of reasons why this is happening. One of the reasons is actually, I mean, Brian said it. I, I don't remember the exact number. I think it was over 20, but they're planning on introducing a lot more new heroes to Flesh and Blood in 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, so they want those heroes to be relevant and they feel comfortable with heroes rotating out uh, and being replaced by others that can utilize the card pool that previously existed for the hero that has now left the format. Um there's some criticisms for sure. Um, and I think they're relatively valid. Like uh, I remember Mara Ferris was on Twitter. She was saying, I don't like this new system because if I'm a specialist, like it feels pretty bad in my hero living legends. And I just like, mm-hmm. I can't play it like the next week. And for people that are not tuned into Twitter, maybe don't follow the flesh and blood website. Like they're going to end up walking up to a tournament, like a new pro quest or an army and be like, Oh, by the way, F you bud, you can't play that anymore. And then they just like, you know, 90% of their card pool that, you know, their collection is now useless until it gets reprinted. So that's real, but I do, I do, I, I honestly, Hayden, I think that, you know, live, Lexi and some of these other decks, they, they've really overstayed their welcome sometimes after they, they hit their bans or, you know, living legend status. Um, I support the change. I don't know if it will work. Like, I don't know if it will be a system that feels good for players, especially casual players or the players that make up the majority of the game. Um, but uh, I, I'm I'm open to change, and I'm interested to see how it will land. For me, as a person who has access to cards, and I'm not trying to say it in an arrogant way, but I do have access to cards. I can you know get decks relatively easily, and people I don't know. I have a good system to be able to build a new deck. It's a it's it's a more interesting system for me to engage with because I don't have that issue. But I do think that this system could be super punishing t- to a lot of players right i don't know the flesh and blood is a hero based game it's an empathy you you empathize with your deck it's part of your identity and then you're now you're walking up to armories it's just like ah, i can't play that but it's <laughs> just like turbo rotating yeah. out so um good and bad i think it's just a it's, just, it's a strategic decision and we'll see how it goes so and i'm i'm all for it to be honest yeah and just for context because i don't think we quite got to that part as well Britain, but the, what you were kind of alluding to with the showing up in your heroes band the living legend change also now means that li- there is a living legend check that occurs every week every monday yeah. yeah every monday so if a let's say i saw someone joke about this on twitter let's say brody spurlock flies to a uh, a battle hard in the u.s on a on a saturday and uh living legend's a hero with an extra 40 points or or you know 60 across a pti and uh him <laughs> and lucas oz will team up for a, a pti and uh, and a uh, battle hard and win to put 60 points on a hero and it ticks over on monday that hero would then hit living legend and then next next week for the pro quest maybe it's the last week of pro quest or whatever that hero would be unplayable because it hit living legend so it's an interesting change you know the fact that things can living legend during a season i think look i would have liked to have found a middle ground for this a little bit personally you know it's like we have a three-week pro quest season great Okay, the three progress season happens, then we check Living Legend, then we've got two weeks of callings, and then we check Living Legend again after that, you know what I mean? Like, it kind of felt like you said, Lexi outstayed her welcome a little bit with Dallas and Melbourne, potentially, um, and... But it also felt like had that happened maybe midweek mm. through a or midway through ProQuest season three, um, although these coins were tied to it. Yeah. yeah Devil's advocate weird. because I know PQ attendance, at least in the United States, was pretty low. And a lot of people yeah, would point towards right. Lexi being the root of that cause. Right. Um, I do think that so uh, regardless of our opinions on the system, my opinion on the system, whatever, I'm going to take this like uh, I want to take a gamble. Let's take a gamble, Hayden. 
I think <laughs> that this system will be changed in six months. I do not think it will work. I think that's going to lead to too many people complaining. And it, it's just so, it's so visceral, right? Like there are actually going to be people that, that identify with the deck. It's like their deck, they're happy. They finally get to play it. Maybe it's powerful. And they're going to show up to an armory or a you know, PQ and it's just like randomly banned. <laughs> um, and then like maybe, it, depending on how the cadence of the sets release, like you could be a player that doesn't have a entire collection of flesh and blood which is probably almost everybody on this planet on this planet and you could be someone who just has warrior cards or just has like uh you know light warrior cards or something like that mm -hmm. and then like 90 percent of your collection just got deleted from being useful i mean arguably it's like go play it in blitz go play it in living legend let's be real those formats are not super real uh right now uh let's be honest those formats are not super real right now so well. i think that that's going to be it's going to be intense. Like, I think some people will have some very strong feelings about that system when it hits their hero. Uh, like, Yeah, that. I agree. I want to throw one last thing in there, which is that I think that that will be the case for a short term. But it's been made pretty clear by LSS that they want to provide hero options for those classes, right? Mm -hmm. They want to and they want to be allow that to speed through a little bit quicker. So it's like, you know, in the chain living legend a, a while ago now, right? And then we didn't get Vincent until you know midway through this year, but in the future it sounds like you know we would get a Shadow Rune Blade a lot quicker on the turnaround. Yeah. Is, well, not not to say they would definitely get you know in the in a, like a, the month after or anything, but it does sound like their aim is to make sure that there's little downtime with the playability of those cards. Let's say. It sounds like the stars would have to align to me because the sets are, they're not dynamic, right? They're stat, they're kind of static. They're set yeah, in stone. They're designed. And, yeah, designed and they have a specific set of heroes, but Living Legend is not a static thing. It's dynamic. It's dynamic based on wins. So you could just have, you know, maybe the hero that's being, or the hero in class being released in Q4, rotate mm -hmm. out in Q1, and now those, those cards are unplayable for a year. Um, I, again, well, I. Well, that's a balancing piece, yeah. but. Yeah. I, I don't, I actually, I actually don't want to give too much. Uh, opinion on like if i like the system i don't like it whatever yeah, i actually be. just episode 135 i want us to take gambles hayden on oh, over gosh. or under is it going to be changed in six months i'm well, i guess it's not clear which one's the over and the under i'm taking we're getting a new version of living legend some way shape or form this is a very safe bet by the way <laughs> in six months this will be changed that's my gamble. Why don't we? Why don't we take? Why don't we take the months? Why don't you can take the over under? I'll, I'll set a line, and you take the over under on the months. How about that? Okay. Did you just give me a little bit of a hint there? So you said you said you you think within six months we get a change. What about? I'm gonna set the line at four four months. Do you want the Do you want the over four months or the the four and under? I'll give you the four and under or the 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 five and over. Uh, on the living legend change. Five and over is too easy. I have to take five and over. You have to be six. I have to be six or over or six or less. I think. So that's pretty okay, conservative at that. Over. Yeah, yeah, I'll right. take the five and over. Now you look like Mr. Conservative. Love it. All right. <laughs> I just think that like four is like, it, it encapsulates pretty much like Q1 of 2024. Yeah, yeah. Like, we haven't even got to a pro tour at that point, basically. Exactly. So I don't know. It's a it's an interesting change, as vastly different strategy, and it's it's definitely aggressive. This could be great for the game. This could make the game so much more fun to play. Um, you could make mm -hmm. the meta so much more dynamic. But it also could be like a kick in the stomach for players constantly that are uh, sort of invested in these single heroes or single classes um, and their, yeah. their shit just becomes unplayable. Yeah. Let's talk Banner Suspended as well. This Living Legend announcement did come accompanied by a Banner Suspended announcement, a scheduled one, which uh, if you had followed the Banner Suspended announcement prior to 
uh, to this one it was said that this next one would be a bit of a would be used to basically living legend Lexi mm -hmm. and potentially Icelander Icelander survives Lexi living legends Voltaire strike twice also living legends Bullseye braces moves from suspended to legal is the big change which I think comes as no surprise it looked like that was pretty much close to set in stone uh, because it was suspended until living legend of, of Lexi Livewire so Azaleas around the world rejoicing to get their bullseye braces back and I think you know we can talk about what that means for worlds blitz soul reaping is suspended until chain becomes living legend so a little bit of a nerf to chain uh given its dominance in the living legend format interesting though because it is a, a chain specialization so uh right it is right soul reaping soul reaping yeah. it's either yeah i don't know it could be a shadow room but i don't know probably chain specialization i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it's chain specialization <laughs> um and then those are the changes. So the next scheduled ban is to be announcement will happen on Monday, December 18th. So we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. Um, pretty disappointed. Would have liked to have seen uh, backup protocol restricted on this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally, backup protocol. I'm totally joking. Uh, I'm totally joking. It, it was just funny because I remember, you know, some people were talking about like, oh, are they going to ban Tome? Is there going to be additional changes to Dromai? And now, oh yes, the the, the chain, yes, that what 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 Dromai bans are we going to get? Yeah, but, um, exactly. You know, That's why I'm memeing. Alexis were, were definitely yeah talking about that on Twitter over the you know they were tweeting about how vindicated they felt about no need for <laughs> Dude, bans. The LSS stuff is hilarious. I, I think that it's actually it's funny because a lot of it. I mean, a deep, not a lot of it, but there is a non-zero amount that's probably directed like literally straight at us and people <laughs> say the things that we say, but I think it's so fucking funny, to be honest. Like, I think it's so funny how they just, and they just bring that middle finger right up. <laughs> it's just like, it's hilarious. No social media policy over there. No. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, is back from December, November 18th to December 10th blitz and bright light seal deck so enjoy and lastly brendan we have a bit of an announcement world championships is happening next weekend and we have a team announcement for the world championships brendan we have teamed up with premier card gaming gaming pcg for a team for the world championships uh look out on twitter for that announcement for the five players that will be playing and competing at the world championships as team pcg pass arsenal pass and pcg combined I don't know, not much else to say. You'll, you'll recognize some names and faces, so uh, go and check out our announcement on, on Twitter over there on Arsenal Pass. Are you not spoiling the uh, the lineup here? Uh, I mean, I can do. Do you want me to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm keen. I can't read off all the accolades, though, because we'll be here for about a month if I have to read off everyone's uh, top eights. And, uh, and there's definitely one person that's sneaked on there that does has a short list. Dude, that's a bit mean to Matt Rogers. <laughs> Yeah, I remember I was looking at Matt Rogers' accolades because it's written down in a Discord chat, and I was like, nine, call what, nine calling top eights. Like, when the f when did he do that? That's ridiculous. Nine calling top eights. Yeah. So the the roster is uh, Matt Rogers, Nick Butcher, Tarek Patel, Isaac Crew, Yuha Sinalampe, Pro Tour Baltimore top eight competitor, uh, and also multiple uh, time calling top eight competitor as well, national competitor, top eight competitor. Uh, myself, Brendan Patrick is in there. Nepotism. And let's go. If I, if I, but you aren't playing this one. Have I forgotten anyone else? See, this is why I didn't want to do it. Did you say Isaac Crute? Isaac Crute, yes. But Isaac will not be at Worlds, I believe. So it is the five of us playing this time around. Brendan in the booth, Isaac at home. Looking forward to it. So go check out the announcement. Give us a bit of love on, on Twitter. Um, yeah. Yeah, jerseys included. Jerseys are included. Yeah, that's true. Commander Cookout time. We got a question from the Discord. If you want to get your questions into the Commander Cookout, uh, we've had some awesome questions recently. So yeah, some really interesting questions. People sort of pushing on things we've said in the pod, 
pulling on things that have been in the sort of community, the wider community that have been discussed. And we love these kinds of things. So if you've got some questions about some hot topics, please get them in. Uh, those are the ones we get to the front of the queue as well because they're very timely and we love to love to talk about those. You can email us at arsenalpassfab.gmail.com. You can drop them in the Twitter co- uh, in the YouTube comments below. Uh, let us know it's a command and cookout question or you can uh, DM us on, on Twitter or tweet at us, whatever you want to do. This question this week does come from the Arsenal Pass Discord. So if you are a Patreon in our Discord, you can drop a question in there. There is a channel for that. This is from Trent uh, McBee. Pretty sure that's Trent, Trent McBride, Trent McBride, right? Yeah. But I played I him in Indianapolis. Be, With Dix being able to be built into surprise, full fatigue, brackets, Charles Dunn at Nats, Matt Vore at Dallas, etc. The need for scouting has increased. In the most recent pod, Hayden mentioned scouting when his round one opponent did not show in Taipei. My questions are, is scouting, a, is scouting good necessarily for the game to have? Should LSS apply any countermeasures to scouting, bracket top tables being table one and counting down versus random table numbers like we have seen in other games? Uh, I love this. I love I love scouting. It's such a funny it's a funny ethical gray area in card games because Is it? No, I mean not really, but surely you're gonna have people who would who would who would <laughs> say that. that you're immoral or unethical for scouting or something like that. I I mean honestly, I can't even be bothered most of the time. But the thing is, it's like it's not against the rules, and yeah, it gives you a pretty decent advantage. Um, and scouting is multiple things. It's walking across tables. It's looking at the fee- it's looking at the stream, having your friends message you who are watching the stream. It's also hiring a third party who's not playing in the tournament to walk around to create an Excel sheet on what people are playing and write down cards. <clears throat> Shout out to Magic gathering um Uh, (laughs) it's a like there's varying degrees of scouting and it's pretty much un like you can't avoid it uh to an extent like if you're sitting next to someone you're going to see what they're playing uh you might be able to determine their archetype so it's both intentional and unintentional because that line is so fluid you can't really create a rule against Mm -hmm. it or at least it's hard there's definitely ways that like you said you can mitigate it uh mitigate sort of the unintentional scouting by potentially spreading people apart but honestly like flesh and blood's um commitment to maintain competitive integrity actually (laughs) like they do it to an extent that's actually a little bit too much in my opinion right now which is we don't actually watch and record drafts that's a that's completely a competitive integrity thing and i think it absolutely destroys coverage and pretty much everyone at lss agrees as well or everyone on the coverage team like Every, there's just people come up to us and they're like, why don't you do that? It's like, trust me, we all agree with you. We would love to do that. But um, basically top down is like, you can't do that. So um, LSS, I mean, Legend, uh, Flesh and Blood is a game that does try to mitigate uh, people getting unfair advantages by knowing what cards are in your deck or just anything that's outside of playing the actual game. Um, that being said, I think scouting in Flesh and Blood is pretty minimal, to be honest, because you do reveal your hero beforehand. Um, obviously, the archetypical scouting is really where you get the advantage um if someone's on like a rogue deck and i think in the current state of flesh and blood it's not an issue um because for instance like a lot of the decks that i've played at uh i don't know high level events have been <laughs> or have definitely gone down in power level as soon as people knew what <laughs> knew what knew what deck i was playing um i just think yeah. at this point it's part of the game no one's really abused it to a to a level in which i felt like it was kind of icky because you know that happens um like with the hiring a third party or whatever uh it just hasn't happened i don't think it's too much of an issue so far definitely it, it's just a risk you incur and 
Um, if you play some sort of dark horse deck that is, you know, fatigue deck, you know, you're surprising your opponent because they thought you'd be on a different archetype. I think at this point, as players, we usually just we take on the risk, or we like we take on that risk where it's like, okay, as we progress through the tournament, people will, are more likely to know what game plan we're on. And honestly, when we have these conversations internally, we pretty much assume we're like, <laughs> we're like, okay, we'll be surprising our opponents, and it's like, but when we're on top eight, we have to be prepared for people to like absolutely know exactly what we're on, have tested into this, mm-hmm. if it's like a pro tour or something like that. Um, and it kind of changes up the strategy sometimes of the deck, but I don't know. At this point, I would say in Flesh and Blood, I don't think it's been a problem, but that's a very subjective subjective take in turn. Yeah, I'm, it's a great question. And I think the... So is it part of the game? Yes, to a degree. Is it something that I think is... An interesting part of the game also yes because i think it influences your decision when it comes to choosing a deck it's like okay i'm gonna go to a calling and i'm gonna take this deck that is a very atypical strategy and i'm gonna flip my katsu and then my opponents are gonna board and all the defensive reacts and then i'm playing a defensive katsu deck right that is that is a very interesting sort of decision you make and you do get an edge there but obviously the flip side of that is that as you progress through the tournament your edge lessens and lessens as people know what deck you're on know what strategy you're on like let's take this dash fatigue deck for instance right they played against uh, at the calling round one round two like it surprised the opponents right mm-hmm. and then later as the event went the opponents knew they were trying to fatigue bought in their remembrances bought in their you know their sort of anti-fatigue packages that they had ready to play the event against these players once they knew who they were and where they're from like one of the players even said to me oh i made the mistake last round of telling my opponent where i was from <laughs> so they knew what deck i was on when i flipped my hero because i same places as these other players are from but I, I honestly think that's an interesting part of the game. And I agree there's like a, there's a fine line, right? There's this kind of gray area of like, could it get a little bit icky, a little bit, you know, like, you know, you've got these big teams who are using their power of the number of players to basically scout out rooms and then know exactly what archetypes people are on. Yes, that is true. But I think because of the known information that happens in Flesh and Blood, like you say, when you flip your hero, unless you're an individual, if you're an individual, you get, you do, I will admit you are kind of on the, um, uh, the, the, the short end of the stick a little bit you know like you you could be in a spot where you don't know what archetypes your opponents are on but a lot of other people in the room know what archetypes you're on and also your opponents and i think that is kind of a little bit of the concern people probably have as individuals but i i think that plays into like what you choose to bring to an event and how you choose to sideboard and how you choose to build your game plans do you hedge game plans do you do you kind of say like screw it no one's bringing this archetype because it's unplayable or this is the now dominant archetype as you go through the event and let's sit down for 20 minutes after this event of this round guys and we've got to try and come up with a plan for this new archetype we haven't seen before these things are all super exciting to me i think um so there's there's some more small negatives i think to this ability to, to scout but there's some interesting things it does to the game and then the overall is like how would you fix this anyway if you did see it as an issue you know i know um trent here talks about you know table numbers being moved around and stuff but going and watching the top tables is such an awesome part of the game you know and seeing what people are playing and what's doing well uh and yeah i I think scouting in flesh and blood has less impact because of the the known information yeah and the system that trent described as well would uh it would not erase scouting it would just it would probably just minimize it it would also just make it easier make it harder just make it harder well it would and it would also uh adversely react the individual way more than it would the collective team who has resources and people so it's like it's a weird thing to try to balance i would just say at this point flesh and blood is one of the games where it matters the least in my opinion so far it matters the least um hit your bingo card because brendan's about to talk a different about a different game and that's my bingo card because channeling my roger Bodie by talking the third person just kidding uh (laughs) 
Yeah, Lorcana. Where <laughs> it is, it is so freaking obscene to know what colors your opponent is on. Dictates so much in your opening hand and drastically increases your win rate. Um, and they don't have any system to mitigate it. And they're, I think they're going to get slapped in the face when people utilize that for a major competitive advantage. And uh, yeah, that would all be mitigated if you revealed your colors beforehand or something like that. And you had like a hero because it takes away like 90% of the edge. And the rest of the 10% is like, maybe you scattered their archetype, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know. It's just, it's funny this question was asked about Flesh and Blood because it's absolutely freaking obscene in Lorcana. It's its in, unbelievable. Mm. Um, I digress. I can see that. All right. Thanks for the question, Trent. Again, if you want to get your questions in, please do so. Great question. Um, I'm sure this debate will, will rage on a little bit, but I think it's, my view is right now it's it's not an issue. Could it be an issue in the future? Yeah, for sure. We've seen it be issues in other games, right? So mm-hmm. I, w- um, I will say that yeah. I don't like it. Like you, I think you, you talked about a few things about where like you thought it makes it a little bit more exciting. There's definitely some fun to it. I think overall, if I was going to bring out like a, a, a sentiment about it, um, you know, taking into account everything about scouting. Yeah, because sometimes it does make things more fun. I would say overall, it's a negative thing. <laughs> I don't think it's positive, I, but I for don't sure. think that there's a re- like a a reasonable reality that you could curate where it happens zero percent and nobody gets like screwed over because uh, i think the more we would the more like kind of uh you know the harder we try to make it the more it usually just ends up benefiting teams and people that have extra resources and ultimately it's it's just it's not that bad because in flesh and blood it's not that big of a competitive advantage in some other games it's yeah it's a problem for sure let's move on let's talk about Melbourne Calling and this meta game and Dash IO a bit more. Breaking a new meta at Melbourne. Uh, very interesting sort of results. I want to talk first a little bit about the expected meta because we talked about the meta game last weekend and, you know, some things were definitely kind of what we thought, right? Mm-hmm. Lexi and Jeremiah were the top two played decks. And the third. Um, what's that? And the third deck also. Bravo, yeah, Bravo as well. And and we thought that, you know, there'd be some cards to around. I think the kind of metagame as a whole was kind of what we expected mostly for day one. Um, you know, Lexi most played, Jeremiah, then Bravo, Dash, Katsu, Zuri, Icelander, Azalea. And yeah, I, I did say I thought there'd be more ninjas this weekend, uh, just given the kind of how people like ninjas in this area. And also kind of, I think, with the rise of Jeremiah and Bravo made sense as well. So quite interesting sort of, I guess, yeah, I mean, it, it flowed, right? And it made sense. But then as we moved into day two and into top eight, that kind of changed a little bit. The one thing I thought was interesting was just how close the number of Lexis versus Dromos were at Mo- Melbourne. So just for context, there was 276 mm-hmm. players in Melbourne, which, uh, <laughs> fun fact, was that eight less players than Dallas? Half the prizes, Brendan? How does, how does that one work? Um, yeah, they just, the the US gets preferential treatment. I don't know. I mean, I got a question for you, though. Is that is that a win for Melbourne? Is that number a win? Because like we talked about, like yes. Taipei, that's a win. Dallas has a huge freaking L. So in Melbourne, it's mm-hmm. a win to get 276 out. I, I, I think it's got to be. I think, I think given where this meter is at right now and kind of what Dallas put up the week prior, I think that's, um, I think it's got to be a win for Flesh and Blood. I think that's... And for, for Melbourne, for future events, I think. like It would have been amazing to see them crack the 300. And there was there was a lot of people playing side events, I mm-hmm. think, through the weekend. Maybe not as many as I thought. Like The, the, the overwhelming, and, and I think events like this, when you have travels and stuff, is that the majority of the players are going to be playing the main event. But they, they were also filling out side events, which is great to see. So... Yeah, yeah so you guys get half prizes? What is that? I don't. I wasn't even... You said it, but I don't, I don't actually know. So there's... 
there's scales to the calling. So uh, the perceived larger callings will have, I think it's a, a 20,000 uh, price pool, and then the smallest have a 10,000 smaller quote marks. So Taipei and uh, and Melbourne, both $10,000 price pools and 20,000 for Dallas. So That's I, I think that- hilarious. I think that needs to be reviewed. I think that was based <laughs> on, you know, a kind of an idea of expected players and turnouts and stuff. And um, I, I think it's not, probably the, the best way to look at at doing that and i get that i get that they want to make sure that if there's more players then there's a bigger prize pool but can they work out a way where it's scaling and they can actually you know potentially do that scaling is hard as well tough. scaling is it's also tough. hard it's because tough. yes because it's hard to budget for yeah, and it's hard yeah. to let people know you don't what to know expect. what the ev is you're like if nobody shows yes, up it's like a complete waste of money. yeah okay um you guys are just paying the uh the the like location tax because you are in beautiful australia or new zealand and texas is just a, a hot desert so yeah but dallas surely it's pretty expensive but being one of the largest cities in the world <laughs> oh my fucking god it is one of, <laughs> dude, it, that is a statistical fact it is one of the one of the largest cities in the world um i All really right. i want to say hayden for this metagame i did think that bravo i think that bravo is uh i just want to call it right now i want to put my Cast my die. I think Bravo will be the second most played deck at the World Championship. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, if you just take out Lexi from this meta, it would have been the second most played deck, right? So I think that's a that makes sense. You know, like clearly people like Bravo. Clearly people want to play Bravo. I mean, we can talk conversion as a day two, but Bravo yeah. had good conversion into day two. It was the second most represented deck in day two. It went from 27 copies to nine copies in day two, which was better than Dromai. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean interesting i i i still don't know i mean I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the bravo pick this weekend because it's interesting to me nick uh butcher he was talking about playing bravo this weekend he ultimately went back to to Dromai and put up a a top 16 with with Dromai, you know bubbled out of the top eight but he he was talking about playing bravo he's like you know i think the Dromai matchup's good i think you know i get to prey on people probably bringing azalea to kind of combat the ninjas and i get to have a pretty good matchup into the ninjas and I was like, cool, but how do you how do you beat Lexi, man? Like, what's your plan into Lexi? And that still remained my question for Bravo. Like, was like, what is your plan to Lexi? And is it good enough? Lexi's gone now. So looking forward, does that mean that, yeah, Bravo is legitimately one of the main contenders for this world championship? And I'm skeptical, honestly, still, because I think it's hard to know what this metagame is going to be. And yes, maybe you're targeting Dromai, but what else are you expecting? Like, are you expecting... I, I, the IO matchup, I think, is like reasonable for you. People think what it's about really good. Like that's the rhetoric okay. I see. I've I've heard that, but what about Icelander? Like, is Icelander going to be played? Because Icelander's matchup to IO is it's not like Dash's Dash OG's matchup. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty reasonable. So, yeah, you know, and I don't want to play Bravo personally. I wouldn't play Bravo into a field of um, Icelander, and also if people are going to bring Inventor Extraordinaire, it was the fourth most played deck uh, on the weekend in Melbourne, uh, rising up a little bit over the last few weekends. Dallas and and Taipei as well. Um, you know, is is that a deck you want to play? Icelander's looking like a good pick for the world championship, not going to lie. If you have that in your toolbox, like in terms of how the metagame is starting to coalesce, I think Icelander's looking like a good pick. Because Icelander's matchup into Bravo is good. And to Jermai, it's serviceable. You know, some people think it's decent. You know, it's good in Takatsu. Great in Takatsu even. Great Nakatsu. It is it is good into everything. That is one thing that's nice. Is like if you do get those random gem pairings, you do pair into these random Rhinars and you know, whatever, you are just one of the <laughs> most powerful decks in the game. So there's nothing that just like ultimately I don't think there's any non meta deck that just kind of counters you, 
right? Like, there's not going to be some rogue deck. I don't know. Like, I send her just. Inventor keeps- Extraordinaire is pretty rough for you, and Azalea is not that great for you. Yeah, the Inventor Extraordinaire, I think, is the biggest issue. And on, you're right. So Azalea is for, Azalea for Azalea me is the nut would be the number one. That's the I think that's the one you got to dodge is the Azalea. But I don't know. Azalea. I just don't know. I don't know if it's going to be it. it People were picking Azalea to prey on Lexi. So as Lexi leaves, like you wouldn't play a deck at the World Championship to target Icelander. That would be ridiculous because Icelander is probably going to no, be the fourth I most agree. played deck. Earth. It's good to like, but you get Bullseye Braces back now. You get to cut a bunch of these cards sure. you had for Lexi, and you get to put in some cards like you know, get to go back to Inertia, um, you know, Makers basically, as opposed to Wither uh, Token Makers. So what does that allow you to do? You know, you can probably lean more into your Droma matchup um, and your Iceland matchup is already pretty good. Plus you get to sort of double down on that a little bit. I don't know, man. Like Azalea is interesting to me. I am trying to decide whether I bother packing my Azalea cards. I've been talking to, uh, you know, some of the Canadians, Gabe and Mike. I'm like, should I, should I pack my Azalea cards, guys? Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. So, um, but I only have so much room and... Well, it, I'm, br- I'm not playing the event. I'm bringing Icelander and Kano. So if you need a lend, I got you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, I won't bother bringing those two. I wasn't going to bother bringing those two anyway. I, I know. Icelander <laughs> for me, this event. I uh, I do actually like playing Icelander, but I just I've played so much Dramai now and so much Icelander prior to that that I just can't bring myself to sit on the Icelander side of that matchup at a big event. I think that's where I'm at right now. Um, yeah. But who knows? Honestly, maybe the meta subverts a little bit with the kind of what people are expecting, and it kind of gets almost like it it almost like devolves not evolves into Dromai not even being like one of the top two played decks of this format like i could see that happening at worlds i could see people just getting off Dromai to Dromai counters and counters to Dromai counters mm. you know going to the level three decks and all of a sudden Dromai is the third most played deck of this event and bravo and friggin like dash or katsu are the top two most played decks like they've been insane so i will say for precedent that has never happened like the the meta yes, has yeah. never gone that many layers deep because it, it feels like at this point we're a weaker you know a week or so out um it feels like that that's a possibility that you know everybody could try to metagame each other and then we all end up in this like layer three like layer two layer two to layer three mm-hmm. uh two meta five, yeah whatever yeah but that has never happened people like the best deck in in our opinion and most people's opinion this meta is a dramatic best deck the best deck is always the most played deck um you see bravo having these consistent uh results in terms of representation not in terms of performance i mean it's performing okay like you said in day two and it's we know it's a comfort pick um and then i think like that three four five spot is kind of where you're like mm. i think that honestly three could be like three and four could be a toss up between dash io and icelander and also dash inventor extraordinaire those are my three four five decks and then past that it's like ninjas azuri you know azuri won the tournament i know that dash io is going to get a lot of the um sort of a lot of the, the limelight but azuri did win the tournament and um it should that should correlate in a boost in terms of representation for that deck yeah good point good point i mean i will counter do you think five was the best deck of worlds uh the world championships mm-hmm. no i think Icelander was the best deck but it wasn't the most but that's uh, yeah you're right uh, it's the fourth most played deck dude it yeah. was the fourth most played deck so that was and my uh, argument was i actually thought ultim was even potentially the the, the best position been. deck and it was the second most played deck could but have been devolved to the aggro deck like people went okay what's the aggro deck and then they played it so world's meta was kind of wild to me honestly yeah and we're about to walk into another world championships with a big shakeup of the format this was with no shakeup in the format really yeah icelander icelander was underrepresented but the deck was i guess it was a little bit newer um yeah it's tough to say I, yeah i guess i guess in retrospect it does feel like icelander was really the best deck because of how commanding of her performance michael hamilton put up but you're right 
I'm trying to remember the conditions of the World Championship and how the hell that happened. Because um, I'm, I'm wondering, did we have like a season before that that set a lot of precedent for these aggro decks being very playable and like the good number one pick? I just, I can't Hypothemia remember. got banned. Hypothemia got banned okay. in Icelander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's take a little bit of a tangent. Let's cast our die for <laughs> top one, two, three. Because uh, we're not going to have another. We're not going to have another podcast till we're sitting in person. The next podcast is going to be in person. Sure. Let well, let's do one. So we're just doing this weekly. Then we're <laughs> doing this weekly with one, two, three. Yeah. So we need to go back and make sure we listen to this. Or can someone in the comments, if you remember last week, what were our one, two, threes, and then drop down our one, two, threes for this week, and then what we'll do is we'll copy that over to next week, and we'll do the same thing. So come on, someone in the comments, please, please help us out. Tell you what, I feel like we we need a bit more uh, poking in the comments on things we say. So why don't you also, while you're at it, go for uh, me and Brendan a bit more in the comments uh, on YouTube, we and should- then also let us let us remember from last week what was our one, two, three last week, and then uh, put our one, two, three down this week and then we'll we'll take that over to next week and tell what if you can even do that we'll even shout you out for doing it uh, i was thinking like maybe we should put up a, a challenge for one two threes like if someone nails the one two three but the problem is like multiple people would probably get the same one two three if we did a one two three four five and you got all in a row i feel like they should get like a jersey you know yeah but i don't know if that's logistically possible i can't be bothered <laughs> Shout out's uh, enough. Come on, guys. All right. All right. One, two, three. One, two, one, two three. three. My one, two, three is number one, Jermai. Number two, Bravo. And number three. Uh, uh, I think it's going to be. Da- I'm going to go Dash. I'm going to go Dash. I'm going to do it. Which Dash? Dash Inventor Shortening. Uh, <laughs> could be Dash IO. You know what? I'll go Dash IO. I'll be fun. I'll be fun. I'll go one, Jermai. Two, Bravo. Three, Dash IO. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't disrespect the man here. Katsu. Oh my God. No way. Uh, it's close. <laughs> Jeremiah, Katsu, Azalea. Okay. I think the middle is so close. I think Dix. To me, two through six is so close right now. That's where my head is currently at based on, I think, I think people are going to come off the Bravo band, like the, the, no the train on Bravo. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll no see. way. Those guys are, we'll see. Those guys are filling up the freaking bongs and just hitting the copium to, to infinity, bro. There's no way. All right. Okay. Well, this will make for an interesting top yeah, three. Someone, someone hold them to that, week. please. Someone hold them to that. that that's, well, that's... I, get next week to, I get next week to potentially change my thoughts. It's just my, my, my sort of like insight this week and post the event on the weekend. Yeah, I don't know. But it feels, yeah, I think I think you're right about Bravo, but I just something something's telling me that I feel like people are going to start to walk away from it. Why don't we talk conversion day two Melbourne? Okay. Uh, because that is interesting and that maybe is going to prove your point. Bravo had a great conversion as a day two. So Lexi was, after day two, Lexi was still uh, the most played deck, but then it was Bravo and then Jeremiah. Dash also had reasonable conversion. Iceland had great conversion. Um, Fires and Azuri is not too bad. Uh, IOs was great, funnily enough. Katsu's was not good from a conversion standpoint. Uh, and neither was Azalea's. I don't think a single Azalea made. Oh, no, one Azalea made day two. So maybe I'm looking a little bit egg on face already from, from what happened in Melbourne. But Kano really good. Lexi, Kano was good, was it? 33%. Okay, that's that's pretty good. Dash was fifty percent, right. so it's like pretty close. Yeah, um, Max was 
pretty low but then max is top eight so yeah interesting interesting from that meta perspective what about i guess the the top eight breakdown right so in top eight we ended up having of course the the dash io uh we also had a max and they played in the in the quarterfinal that game yeah that game was on camera was that game on camera no it wasn't but they played in the last Swiss, round of Swiss on camera yeah. yeah 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 same result though and then you had the two azuris you had a Jeremy, and you had three lexi so i think you know like honestly lexi was a great pick for the weekend people were kind of disrespecting it and i think people rightly decided to, to play lexi and the azuris got rewarded for for performing well and getting into top eight where there was a number of lexis both azuris making it through to the semi-final um to set up a azuri versus lexi azuri versus dash io and Tom takes out another Zuri on the way and then uh, gets taken out by Ben in the, in the final on a Zuri. So, yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. I mean, we've got a deck tech coming out with Tom, but just just quickly, I think one of the really interesting things and takeaways for for the rise up of, you know, what, what Tom did with Dash this weekend, obviously great player, but, you know, bringing a deck that kind of subverts what people are expecting for the weekend is just such a great call when it's on like when it's on like it's it's such a good idea to to do i think um we've seen this through history source that charles done at us nationals you know with with the fatigue briar for instance like when this is potentially on it is a really great shout and i think you know tom had a, a very refined list a very clear set of game plans for playing into this meta and you know kind of went and executed on it and i think we're going to see this time, even Joel Gibbons in, in top eight with Max, right? Not something that people would expect. Again, doing something very, very similar. Um, the Azuris, people not testing against Azuri, not being prepared for Azuri after it kind of dropped off the map a little bit, doing the same thing. So I think, you know, these open events uh, where you have a powerful strategy and you can kind of subvert what people are expecting and you have good game plans, you get super rewarded. I mean, not just open events, but closed events as well, um, which is awesome. Yep, for sure. Uh, I just I just want to shout out Tom and just I want to put an idea into his head, just how much more money he would have if he had done this at the World Championship instead of Melbourne. <laughs> it's a it's so interesting that we see a dark horse. Well, he just, wouldn't be there. He didn't have an invite. I know. He oh, invite. he didn't have an but invite. He should have bought a BTI. Would have been worth. Um, it's so interesting to see a deck like this come out literally the tournament before. It's so it's very very atypical and it totally changes the tone of the world championship. So us as a community, as players, as casters, as whatever whatever you wanna whatever you wanna be, we are now spoiled because the question is so much more complex. It would have been cool to see Dash IO break out at Worlds if other teams had that in their pocket. Um, but now it's super interesting because everybody was just saying like, how do we target Jermai? How do we be ready for this? It's going to be the most played deck. We got to be ready to beat it. Every deck must be able to beat Jermai. But now I think Dash is going to be highly represented. Like it's not an exact uh, correlate like... Um, correlate correlation is not the wrong right word but last time we saw a deck see this much of a uh, performance and in an undefeated manner like um at the uk national championship and the conversion mm -hmm. to the u.s national championship was absolutely insane it was so many people hopped onto that deck that were not playing it before maybe an easier deck to play i mean definitely an easier deck to play um but I think the, a performance like this especially because there's such a narrative behind it can really influence um the decks that show up and I think there could be a lot of Dash IO. I really do. Mm -hmm. Hey, look, Dash IO is very, very powerful. Uh, I think now after watching Tom play some more games, I played. Uh, we played a couple of games with him testing the other night. And look, I, you know, my, obviously my respect for for that has gone up, and it's it is powerful. So I think people are going to jump on this, see how powerful it is, and whether it 
either it's going to define the testing over the next few weeks for those for those groups and individuals or it's going to be the deck they play like i just think that is that is it and i didn't put it in my top three just then but i think that's because it'll probably be fourth i think it will you know i think not maybe not enough time to adopt it but it is really powerful i mean ask me next week and with what i'm hearing from testing and the testing that we're doing maybe it's like the second most played deck in my view it honestly it's so dynamic i think what this meta could look like and that's why you know i think right now with where i'm sitting people are looking for counters to things and i'm like looking at you know drama obviously but then looking at uh, azalea and katsu and i think i think you know we're in europe people are hot on katsu that's kind of my my thought process there but yeah it's interesting what about max i want to ask you about max i don't know if you caught any of the coverage and saw this max deck but um, <sighs> I it's in. a nice yeah nitro mechanoid max do you think max is is viable is this is this the real deal i would be i'd be happy to disrespect it and then get memed later for disrespecting it but i'm gonna go ahead and disrespect max i just i don't think that it's like i see dash io like i saw the game plan executed multiple times on stream and i'm like that's a that's a deck like that is a real deck um this is a huge contender for the world championship mm -hmm. i had the opposite sentiment looking at max to be honest it's interesting because Tom said that the quarterfinal was really close. What if the story was that, you know, Max makes, I mean, obviously Max didn't do the 12 and 0 run, which is the insane part, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, what if uh, Joel on, on Max makes it through the, the final and, you know, has a nail, nail biter against his Azuri and, you know, it's a difference. I mean, I don't know the matchups, like maybe it's even better. Maybe Joel ends up winning the event on Max. Like, does, would that have changed the narrative? So to be fair, I'm, I'm decently ignorant of the deck list, but I just, I don't know how consistent it is. Like Dash IO looks very consistent, mm -hmm. which is a key... <laughs> a key uh, ingredient to have um and i don't know decks <laughs> the thing is you can be totally wrong uh decks sneak in the top eight all the time that doesn't necessarily negate their achievement but it happens like we've seen that happen tournament after tournament after tournament um mm -hmm. does it does it vindicate the choice and well i don't think i don't think to be highly represented at all but uh is it going to have a good run at the world championships i just i don't think so i don't know i just i really don't know enough about the deck obviously i haven't been testing it i haven't played it a lot but it just does not it does not impress me in a way. The hard question to answer. It's like I would prefer to just say no comment, but um, it's a podcast. I'm obliged to give a comment. Now I'm happy to be memed if if, uh, if you're not obliged to do anything. You can just shut your mouth. It's fine. You know you don't have to do anything. Well, I'm happy to be memed <laughs> if it does well. I feel I feel confident enough that it's not going to do well at the World Championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I think the last thing I kind of wanted to to end the pod on a little bit and talk about Dashio. We've got this deck tech coming out with um with Tom, which definitely go and check out he tells it you know obviously a lot better but i think the kind of difference maker from like the list that people were looking at and look people might have had lists similar looking to roll them out at worlds right and their, their cover's been blown but tom did it first and you know he did something that hasn't been done in a, in a very long time or at the scale before this number of players with this, this cleaner run in swiss um is i think the, the biggest thing is the refinement of of the decklist he looked at he came up with these game plans that allowed him to play in a super consistent manner he had these kind of plans for how he navigated bad draws conviction amplifier i think was like an mvp for like his his plan of of pushing these kind of setup turns um and he had this really kind of dynamic sideboard plans that he changed like you know sometimes he was playing like 60 cards sometimes he was playing 63 64 sometimes 70 cards like he had a really good understanding of why he wanted the cards in his deck and when he wanted them and i think that is a really good lesson for people to take away for future of deck building uh that things are, are not linear uh, even with a deck that looks linearly linear in terms of its aggressiveness there's something to, to take away and learn about how to approach matchups and and um, how you can yeah attack a metagame in a particular way because i i bet right now we you know what well, 
asks of Tom on the, the deck tech, but I imagine that he's already got thoughts of how he would change this again. And if he's taking this to Worlds, uh, yeah. what he will look to potentially be doing differently, you know, like, yeah, I'm sure he has those it's thoughts. I don't know if you'll share those, but, you yeah. know. <laughs> it's drastically different if you're being targeted uh, to an extent. Maybe it doesn't change the deck list too much, but it, it's a way different scenario. It's like, nobody knows what this deck does. Nobody knows you're on it. What? And then it's like, everybody this is like one of the number one decks in their mind um i assume the deck to change a little bit before worlds just to try to counter tech whatever tech people are going to bring for it uh, i have a question for you hayden though so zuri won this tournament zuri had two in top eight i mean zuri was is a deck that in definitely in a sense preys on lexi where is Azuri positioned in the world championship do you think that it's well positioned do you think it'll be highly represented because this is just this is one of those decks in flesh and blood this is one of those decks mm-hmm. that occasionally has performances but just always seems to kind of be niche that's a great question so what i think back to right before i answer that question a little bit is pro to allele right we we have a calling the week before pro to allele i don't remember that singapore do you remember that was won by yeah, that was one by Dash. It was one by Dash. Boost Dash. Talishar Boost Dash. How prevalent was Dash at uh, at Pro Tour Leo? So I know Joel Repta was on it. I know Christian Hawk was on it. It it was Yeah, Christian top edited on it? Yeah, so it was non zero, but uh, I don't even know if they were on the same version. Uh, I just know we tested into it. Like the thing is is like I don't know. You can litmus test these decks the week before we tested into it. And Briar was just a better deck in our opinion, um, and that's seventh most played. Yeah, that was the seventh most played. That was the conclusion we came to. So yeah, it, but that but I don't know. It's like I don't even know how to delineate these categories because Dash is in its own category because it's done that like three four times in a row. It's still like underplayed. yeah. Well, <laughs> like, at the time it hadn't right. Yeah. Like this was the first the first major win for for Dash outside of a national championship. Right was was Jason Zhang taking this to. Um, to the calling and doing that in Singapore but I guess why I'm bringing that up is Azuri kind of feels a little bit similar to me it wins it's a great meta call for this event a great pick for this event but then you move into a meta that no longer has your your quote-unquote like prey on matchup right like Lexi's gone so what does that actually mean for Azuri and I think you know my answer to that is it means that Azuri is even in an even worse position than it was before. And I don't think Azuri was particularly well positioned in the meta, but I do think you know that weekend, especially on on tight plan, really good matchups, was a great a great weekend for potentially Azuri. Um, obviously it turned out that way. <laughs> yeah, potentially top eight one winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously it turned out that way. Um, it's not where my head would have gone, but I I get it. But yeah, the the what that means for Worlds is. I think honestly, not a lot of impact. Not the same amount of impact that Dash IO is, is going to have on on this World Championship. That's for sure. Yeah, it's funny how tournaments happen like this, and then you know, there's multiple, there's multiple. I don't know. Sorry, I'm at a loss for what to say, but there's multiple things that happen. But one one of those things comes away with the narrative. They become like the main character, and that very much is dash io like it's not even oh there was only one jeremiah that converted it's not okay and azuri made the top eight and there was two azuri it's not oh there was one max and max did decently well it like the whole entire narrative around melbourne is like there is this new premier deck that we need to be testing we need to consider as a choice and we need to be prepared for for looking at the world championship that is the biggest takeaway from melbourne it is it, not for any reason or other it has just risen to the top maybe it's because of coverage it's because the x and o run which is really hard to do um or it's because tom is just a really likable guy i don't know but the takeaway from melbourne yeah the take the takeaway from melbourne is dash io that is absolutely on the menu for the world championships and might be one of the most played decks at the tournament all these other decks like the the top eight could be completely different and it would not change anything about how i'm looking at the world championship yeah fair enough 
All right. I think that's going to do it for episode 135 of Arsenal Pass. Next week, we will be in person. Brendan, we're heading to the World Championship. So excited. This has come around quickly, I would say. I'm feeling a little bit underprepared, but I'm excited to, uh, to, to be there in person to play the World Championships. And um, yeah, it's going to be good. You ready to draft? Get those bananas I, coming your way? I am ready to draft because <laughs> while I was bombing this weekend, I did manage to do six drafts, I think, with some of the best players in the world. So I think I posted on Twitter our first pod on the Friday um, afternoon, our second pod on the Friday afternoon, which was, you know, I don't know, count the trophies in that in that draft pod, but there was, uh, what, four national champions, singular, but multiple national champions in, in there, you know, Pro Tour champion, calling champions. Uh, it was an insane pod and learned a lot from them from the table we also did some drafts with others as well along the weekend so yeah i learned a lot about draft this weekend which is super valuable i think and i'm having a lot more fun with this format than i was this time last week that's for sure interesting so do you like it from the perspective of a competitive player um and to be playing it at this this an event of this magnitude um, I think I actually do. I think I, I think I might. Yeah, I, I'm coming around on that. I think if you'd asked me that last week, I would have said no. I'm probably forcing a particular hero, and I don't like this format. But um, definitely got humbled in some games this weekend on my thoughts, and also kind of evolved based on being at a draft table with you know other players who are really critical of the game and thinking about the way they want to draft. So. Awesome. Well, look forward to seeing how it all plays out, and I look forward to seeing you in in and before O three <laughs> in Barcelona. Oh, I love dual format tournaments. Um, if you're listening to this, ver- if you're listening to this podcast on pod platform platforms, there's a video version of it on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash Arsenal Pass. Um, we're both on Twitter, Brendan APG, Finn underscore Dale, and of course, Deck Tech Dash IO Tom Holland on the eve of the World Championship. Tom Holland. Tom, did I say? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah new, spider-man himself yeah <laughs> new guest appearance um anyway so check that out uh, i'm sure it's going to be fantastic and i i honestly i can't wait it's uh, it's always fun as we lead up to these pro tours and we lead up to this world championship but these ones the world's feels better i mean pt baltimore was a bit of a wash for us because we didn't get like anybody out there so now we're all coming back together for the world championships which is sweet so thank y'all so much for mm-hmm. listening we'll see you next week see you later